This is Rugger Matrix America. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2016. This is Alex Goff from Golf Rugby Report. Back again with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. And we actually did a show that we didn't use because it wasn't a very good show. But we did uh, we did talk about uh, the success a little bit of the two coaches on this show, uh, Pat and Bruce, and how things had gone well. And Pat, happy New Year, and congratulations on your Lindenwood Belleville team uh, doing so well this year, getting to the national playoffs and winning a playoff game, and you know doing well. Well, thanks and thanks. I know it's only been like a little over a month since the season ended for us, but uh, it seems like ancient history, and getting ready to ramp up for uh, hopefully what'll be a fun, equally fun spring seven season. Sevens, going to go into sevens, which Bruce, you're not doing. Right, uh, but you had you had a nice you had a nice uh, fall with with Iona. Obviously, the win over uh, Army that was fun, and um, uh, you know you're, you're just playing some more 15s, I think. Yeah, happy New Year to everybody. And Iona's season was a lot of fun. The players were fantastic to work with. We love being in the Rugby East Conference. It's awesome. The teams are great, and I actually think that it's go to the ACRC Sevens tournament. Um, that's not my, uh, it's not my wanting to do, but there's some guys who want to do it. So we'll see. I, I told them they can do whatever they want. I'm not a, not a dictator. I'm disagree, but I'm also not going to tell people how to spend their college. Fair enough. You, you, that would be a little bit hypocritical if you started telling, trying to dictate how people spend their their college uh, college years. Uh, we, we had a bunch of stuff. Well, congratulations, guys! Um, I think you both did great, and uh, it was fun following you guys both. And um, you know, we, we had a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, uh, outside the college ranks, I think I think the the number one thing. Uh, you know, we we haven't had a lot of time to talk about the national team, and uh, we're turning around now here in January. Um, with a great big old tournament ready to start in February, and finally we have a new head coach. So, uh, um, and and finally, I'm not saying that in the sense of we wanted to get rid of the old one, but uh, Mike Tolkien was pretty much, even though he was, you know, he was invited to reapply. That's never a good sign. And and who's going to inv- basically tell somebody we're not renewing you? We might look at everybody else in the entire world and come back to you. That's it's unlikely. Um, so it, it seemed like it was unlikely Mike Tolkien come back, and he's not. He's not coming back. It's John Mitchell, uh, former coach of the All Blacks, about uh, twelve, thirteen years ago. Uh, coached in Super Rugby several different places. Uh, not always an easy road when he coached. Uh, so. I guess we can talk about the uh, we can talk about the Eagles and, and and the players and stuff like that. But the number one uh, piece of news is the coach. So, um, Bruce, I think you've got a lot to to some insight in here. So I'm going to go with Pat first. And Pat, what do you think of the what do you think of the appointment? Uh, what do you think of the process? Well, to 100 percent be transparent, uh, I didn't know the name John Mitchell when it came across my computer. Um, I'm. Quite a bit younger than you two guys, so I haven't been paying attention um, to rugby 
quite as long or probably at the same depth. And so I didn't know who John Mitchell was. So I've been feverishly reading everything I can consume on him, including a large part of his own book, um, to figure out who he is and, and that sort of thing. And so it just seems to me like an odd choice at, at some degree. And I'm sure we're going to break this all down, but definitely a polarizing choice. Um, an interesting choice for the United States where they are in the national team development or where they are in the timeline of, um, as a country and, and, uh, the process, uh, yes, but the process in itself, I think has been a bit of a joke. Um, I don't think that the world cup should be the defining moment that you get hired or fired on. I think that there was a lot, a long body of work for Mike Tolkien to suggest that he, do, he was doing a great job or he wasn't prior to the world cup. And I, I thought that if you were going to sack him, you should have had plans in place to be uh, in a better position than just naming a coach a month before you're supposed to be playing Argentina. I think that the timing was done poorly. I think that that could have well been avoided either in a lot of different ways, either by saying, Tolkien, you're the man through the through uh, February and extending his contract and doing that month in advance or having somebody in place right after the World Cup was over. Um, so I, I don't think that the process was, was handled well. I don't, I know that it's happened, um, before and it's not that uncommon in world rugby for, to just let someone's contract expire versus, um, to, to fire someone or extend them a little bit earlier than that. Um, but I don't agree with the practice and, uh, just because that's the way that they do it, um, elsewhere doesn't mean that's the way that we got to do it. I mean, I, that happened to John Mitchell when he was the all black coach. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's the way it should happen with Mike Tolkien. Um, so, yeah, I think the process has been a, pretty hairy. Um, but I thought the process was pretty hairy for Mike Friday. And so who knows what the end result will be. But definitely a curious and interesting choice, if nothing else. Yeah, curious choice. So he's, he's, he's an emotional guy. Um, the the stories go around about he, he's he's emotional sometimes combative, uh, sometimes difficult. Uh, spent a good portion of the last year doing TV uh, analysis on a South African television, not in New Zealand. Um, but yeah, my, uh, John Mitchell um, lost his job with the All Blacks uh, after the the 2003 World Cup for for losing a semi final. Basically, so it's like uh, it's it, it, you can get you can get dinged for a lot of stuff. Um, and and be, Bruce, before I, I you know we come to you, um, you know it it was it, it it's real tough, right? What do you do with a coach? And you say like like if you said we want you to stay, you know, Mike, we want you to stay through the America's Rugby Championship. What would he say to that? What would anybody say to that? They'd say, well, do I have guarantee that I'm staying longer than that? Are you telling me now I'm fired after it? Um, this was part of what happened with Rick Suggett and the, the Sevens women's team is that he was looking for an assurance, I'm through the, the Olympics, right? And they said, mm, I don't know. And at that point, then things started to to fall away, you know. You know he starts looking for another job and things like that. So, uh, you know, in two thousand one, uh, USA Rugby had Duncan Hall through a contract, and they decided that his contract had ended at the end uh, in, in November. They said you're you're through two thousand one, but we believe that the two thousand two season starts with the def- December one game against uh, South Africa. So they they didn't renew him and they brought on Tom Billups kind of a 
uh, a way to move quickly to get to get ahead of it um, is kind of hard to get ahead of it. So, so uh, Bruce, um, we got a statement from Mike Tolkien. Uh, it was it was a pretty short statement. He just you know was talking about how it was an honor to have have done what he did, and and you know we we I I did an article with him where he mapped out his metrics, the the the, the goals that he met. Um, and I know you're close with him. Uh, you know, what's uh, how does Mike feel? Well, I I think that exactly how he is. What he said in that thing, he's honored to have been given the opportunity to coach the U.S. He was happy to work with the players who did. Uh, he's done his best, and he wishes well to everybody that he's played and coached with. And I think that's basically how he feels. He definitely was a little bit stunned, not in the fact that he it was how it happened. And it's, it's Melville's typical thing. He, Mike has been a servant, agree or disagree, with, with him being hired or fired or whatever. He's been a servant of American rugby on a volunteer basis with a lot of, with a lot of work being put in from starting with Tony Smith at the under-19 along that was actually an under-18, under-19 program in 1992 all the way up through the current year and to be left in a lurch, in a lurch and to be almost dropped unceremoniously saying that you can reapply for your position when you know, Melville basically hired is Melville Magleby and Payne hired uh, Melville's guy. John Mitchell is Melville's guy. He made it clear that that was his guy from Wasps, which is fine. They should have just at least given Mike the ability to go out with dignity and not to have players be sent emails about asking about their availability. And, and of course, that stuff gets, gets back to Mike when he didn't ask anyone for their availability and he wasn't named coach. He had been, he was let go. This wasn't a contract. His contract expired at the end of the World Cup and that's, he stopped working you know, or he stopped being employed at the end of the World Cup. And so this has been going on for three months. And the way Mel- Melville handled Caravelli's firing was very similar, and unprofessional and, and demeaning and degrading to, again, I'm not saying whether or not Caravelli should have been fired. I'm saying this is the way he was treated by someone who makes a hell of a lot of money. And now John Mitchell's going to be paid $250,000 a year. Melville makes over $300,000. And in payroll taxes, you're looking at, you're looking at the shit dues of like, you know, 13,000 people are paying for this. 13,000 full-fledged shit dues are paying for Nigel Melville and John Mitchell. And I hope that they're able to finance this themselves. It, but we do have the former All Black coach. And we have a professional league that Melville's been working very closely with. Magleby's been working very closely with. They have, they've got a player pool that they've ranked and they've done. And they, you know, regardless of whether they're saying that they're 
it's separate. The fact is they're working closely with it. They're banking on it. And it's their thing. It, and, and the success and failure of that pro league is largely going to be due in large part to what the high performance manager and the CEO can bring to the table there. And that's and the, and the, suc- and maybe the success and failure of the national team is probably so going to be Mitchell, is tied to that, isn't it? John, well, John Mitchell came out and said that the pro league and, you know, he basically said money, money, money. Yeah. It's money, money, money. I don't know where that money, money, money is coming from, yeah. but that money, money, money is basically coming from you and I. They already tried to cut the women's national team Olympic budget by $200,000. Guess where that was going to go? And that got squashed because that wasn't going to be able to, that wasn't going to be able to happen due to the fact that the, uh, the United States, that they were going to be taking the United States Olympic committee money and giving it to John Mitchell. So that got squashed before it even, before it became right. a real thing. But that, that was, but that was something that they were trying to do. So this, so basically this has been in place for a while all they needed to do was say, Mike, thank you for your service. We're not going to renew renewing your contract. And that's disappointing to anybody at any time. And, and and it happens to a lot of people. It happened to John Mitchell after the semifinal. There were other issues involved in that. Um, that's, that's, that's not, that's, I, I, you're not, that's not being, you know, that's not a full disclosure thing. There were definitely a lot of other issues at play there. And there's been a lot of issues at play in several places. And we're investing $250,000 into a 51-year-old person. And my experience with people is that leopards don't change their spots. And your best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And we have what could be an unbelievably great thing. But much like dynamite, there's times when dynamite works and it does a lot of good stuff. But most of the time, it's just destructive and leaves a mess in its wake. And, you know, we, we are now spending, we're guaranteeing a million dollars on dynamite. And, and, that's, and that's how I feel. Well, that's, that's, that's another thing about it. It's a four-year contract. It's usually, usually we've seen a, play, a, a coach come in for two years. Um, but this is a commitment of four years. You can, it can't go wrong because because what's the buyout on a on a four year contract? You know, I um, have no I have no idea. But now you're looking at a you know a friend wrote a friend the contract. Yeah. So that's which and and with board input and whatever. And I think you know they don't care. They don't put any money up. So it's when they put money up, then they can talk. Um, and that's and again. Why do you get a four-year contract? You do have a former all-black coach who went to the semifinal of the World Cup. There's no doubt about that. So, and there has been successes. There has also been major, major problems. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that those can blow up in our face, and it's a lot of money, and I and I and I just think that, and again, I, I'm not saying that the and taking Mike out of the equation, say Mike is going to be, Mike isn't going to be hired, like that's 
$250,000 could have gotten you a lot of guys. Maybe gotten you a, a, a good team of two. Well, I, that, first, are you pretty comfortable with that $250,000 number? I'm, that being I'm, I'm, comfortable, I'm, comfortable, I'm comfortable with the number. That sounds right to me. Brucey's comfortable with it. Brucey doesn't speak out of, stu- out of school. <laughs> if I tell you something, I know it's true. I may not be able to tell you who told me, but I know it's true. Yeah. This is, this has been very poorly handled. Mm-hmm. But it's poorly handled by a poor CEO, a poor director of rugby. Who is, he's got to have Teflon. And I don't know Are what we? due diligence was done. Well, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty close to the vest process. We don't know who. I'm not will, saying, I'm yeah. saying, who did the due diligence on this guy? Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about hire Mike. I'm saying, all right, Mike's fired. They handled that poorly. They left them hanging for three months, and and hanging, knowing that they had somebody. And it wasn't going to be him. And they didn't even tell him it wasn't going to be him. He's never betrayed anyone in the course of all of the time that he's been, been working. Like, he's, he's always kept, agree or disagree with him. Or, and I've gone on the show and disagreed with, again, I disagreed with the selections in South Africa. I disagree with some of the selections, period. I disagree with some of the way things have been done. That's, you know, and he's one of my best friends. And that's, but his integrity can never be called in question. And his dedication to the game can't be called into question at all. And those are things that have been called into question on somebody that, you know, we really don't know. And the only people, Melville knows him. And, you know, and then, and then I guess Magalie and Payne and Latham, that this is, I, I don't know where all the money is going to be coming for all this. As I said, when you add in, you know, some of the payroll taxes, et cetera, and, and things of, of that nature and insurance, you, know, you probably look at now it's 300 $300,000 is 6,000 shit dues, 6,000 kids who are never going to get a benefit of really paying for this unless there's money coming from somewhere. And I haven't seen the guy who's donating 300 grand. And then, you know, I, hopefully they can, I know, I also know for a fact that they're very close into the pro league because some of the coaches of the Eagles wanted to be or were expected to be professionally coaches and they were told, wait, hang on a second. You're not, we're not going to do anything like that until we know who the coaching staff is of the new coach. So, all right. So, So what I'm saying is everybody's in bed together. Right. Right. Okay. That that means that, that means that, the amateur game shouldn't be subsidizing this. That's it. But fair, fair, fair enough. Um, the you know what? what I, I have a hard time 
and I and I understand that Mike Tolkien feels the way he feels, but he had to know that there was an issue going on because you know I mean we talked about it. We talked about we we had a post World Cup uh, interview, which was essentially Mike making his case that he should keep his job. Um, he had to know that there was a strong chance that he wouldn't be back. Whether they, I mean, I, it's, it's not a matter of whether or not it's a strong chance that he wouldn't be back. That's, but to say you could reapply, it's like you're either coming back or you're not. What they should have done is let him go with dignity and not do what they did to Caravelli, what they did to Hawkins, and what they did to him. Servants of American rugby. American servants of American rugby. Volunteer servants of American rugby. Again, it's a chicken shit way to then, operate, period. It's, Either it's no doubt. Hawkins the guy, or he's not the guy. Let him go and have dignity about it. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not a, a, an exclusive thing to Nigel Melville, right? But it, it's happened everywhere else. I mean, it literally happened to John Mitchell with the All Blacks. He was made to reapply. He spent $35,000 of his own money and hired people to help him reapply and reapply and didn't, didn't do it. It, it didn't get the job back. So these things happen, but it doesn't mean it should happen, and it doesn't mean that we should just say that it's okay that it happened. It's improper the way that they did it. And as Bruce said, it's, even, it's exacerbated by the fact that Melville is one of those guys who is a grassroots American rugby guy who has been pouring in hours and work and effort for 20 years. And so if you do that to somebody, they deserve better respect than that. Same with Al Carabelli, same with Matt Hawkins, same with anybody you're going to hire at that level. Okay, so, um, you know, th- that, that's the issue is just tell it to my face, right? Um, tell me straight up what the situation is. It's something that uh, um, Nigel Melville doesn't seem to, to like doing. And- and to piggyback off that, just a bit, I mean, it's not like my issue with the, the whole process wasn't just the way that they treated Mike and that being, you know, not a professional way to handle something. But it's also, what, what did it do to the team? I mean, when they're sending out emails to players asking for their availability, you know, right days before New Year's Eve, when you're supposed to be playing Argentina in two months because you haven't still haven't named a coach, that coach, God forbid, doesn't know any of players, doesn't have a staff in place. I mean, what are you doing to yourself when you're, you're just, it's not just that it hurt Mike Tolkien or it was unfair to him. It's unfair to the players who are going to take the field in two months' time. It's unfair to the people who are invested uh, followers or members of USA Rugby who want their Eagles to do well. They hurt themselves by doing this. It made no sense. The timeline of how and why made zero sense. The... Uh... You know, it, it, it's it's weird because I I talked to Alex Magleby about finding players, right? Player tracking and and looking for players for next year. Uh, I talked to him about it in November. They should have been, you know, the, the the impression was the official line was that they were they were tracking and you know communicating with players in November. Uh, so for for them to be contacting players, you know, late December is, I mean, it's kind of standard because that means that some other players aren't available, but it's also like, you know, 
it's not good. That's not good at all. Um, whether whether they should have been contacting players, I I, I I'm I understand. You know, you guys are talking about you're you're upset for Mike Tolkien that they were contacting players. I'm not. I, I don't understand why that's a bad thing. Oh, no, I'm, I'm upset for just the, it's the contacting players because if, if the players don't even know, <laughs> and they're just asking the players right now about their availability. Right. Okay. F- right? Fully fully agree that that's that's it's too late and it's right. I'm, disorganized. I'm right. Not okay. For, not for Mike Tolkien, though. I, I, mean, I guess I get what Bruce was saying. I, I, yeah. You know, but. But well, okay, all right. It's, it's I, not I, I'm, I'm not getting that. So, so explain that to me. Why that's bad? On on uh, what they they should have they should have contacted Tolkien first to say we're going to start talking to players, or is it because that got back to Tolkien that he realized that he was not going to come back? Um, I don't. Well, I, mean, I don't understand. A week ago, a week ago when they sent out the email asking with the form to to say that hey, who can play on what dates? But they didn't know that Mike Tolkien wasn't going to be hired. They couldn't have given him the, the courtesy of letting him know before the player availability emails go out. I mean, how hard would that have been to do? I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand. I really, I really don't understand why that's a problem. They're doing. They're, well, that's one of the. I mean, that's one of the few times they're actually doing their job. Right? Is the people who are in charge of keeping track of players and assembling the team, whether there's a coach or not, is actually are actually trying to do that. Well, that's no. What, right, that's what good. happened was, what happened was they knew that he wasn't coaching. He had right. been in conversations with them when they knew he was coaching, telling them, telling them. That he's in, you know that, that they're very supportive of him. It's up to the board. So those, those are things that he, well, okay. So that's a di- that's a different thing. So he's he's them. he was he was either he was misled so he into thinking that he it was business he as was usual. Still, he as time wore on, he was not feeling great about it, but he was still being fed that he was really, you know, this was he's one of the prime guys. So. But he under, he also understood that this was, it, like I said, it's the way it was handled. And if we wanna, if we wanna look at certain things that are, uh, we wanna look at certain things. I, I actually, while we were talking, I did a little bit of math. The players get paid a hundred dollars a day. Okay, so what I did is I took five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And I divided it by a hundred, and then I divided it by thirty players, and you could have a hundred and eighty-three assembly days. Yep. For the cost of a coach and a CEO, a hundred and eighty-three. U.S. national team budget's a million bucks. A quarter of it is gone on the coach. And I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not begrudging that. I don't think we're going to get value back for it at all. Um, as you as you asked uh, as you asked Bruce, you asked me, you know, is he, is he director of rugby? And no, he's not director of rugby. He's just the head coach. Right. He's he's not then, he's not serving another job within USA Rugby. Or you know, and, in, and, in, you know in, in terms of directing the coaching. 
you know, the, the steering the coaching direction of the of the country, or something like that. He's not doing that. Well, I mean, now they said that he was at least going to be working with the elite coaches to work on coaching, and you know, hopefully he does. Look, he's he. The fact is, he was the all black coach, mm-hmm. and a wildly successful all-black coach on the field. And so that being said, you know, you're not going to get that for nothing. That's not going to come for free, and it's not going to come cheap. So it's not going to be easy for, uh, it's not going to be easy for them to, get a guy of quote-unquote that caliber for not spending money. I just don't know where the money's coming from. I thought that the thing was handled poorly. And, but, Melville and Mags and this other guy have a pro league together. They're going to be doing that. They have a new coach from the All Blacks. They're going to be doing that. So, are things looking up? They could be. They could be looking up big time. And, it could be one of the most amazing times in rugby. However, if it doesn't work, it's like jumping off a cliff, not knowing whether you got a good parachute or jumping out of a plane, not knowing whether you got a good parachute. And it's not like a 99.999% chance that you don't. There's a pretty good chance your parachute's going to blow and you ain't going to get you, you're going to die. And that's what I think. I'm not optimistic. I'm not optimistic about a million dollar franchise pro league. When they have five home games, you got to make $200,000 a game, 20,000 people paying 10 bucks of profit. It's not going to happen. No. Five times. It's not going to happen in three different venues. You got, you know, better chance of seeing Christ come off the cross. It's just not going to happen. And, and, and I'm not, maybe, maybe, but, and also USA Rugby's history, Melville's in particular, history with professionalism, who's the one person who put money into professional anything? John Fursmack, no doubt about it. Owner of Rugby Today, owner of Rugby Magazine, owner of, you know, used to do the, you know, rugbymag.com, and all you guys all work together. USA Rugby has done everything in its power to destroy the CRC. Every chance it got, it tried to destroy the Varsity Cup. The ITTs, destroyed. The local unions used to pay to have an all-star competition that was fun for their players and also was an Eagle selection vehicle. They destroyed it. Melville destroyed it, but that new guard destroyed it. The Super League was completely self-funded, regardless of whether or not it was good, bad, or indifferent. It was systematically destroyed through the actions of the head man at USA Rugby using, you know, like nonsense things to just, you know, not being able to work out when we can schedule games with 
outside of Eagle competitions. It's all we ever really wanted to do. And <laughs> that was all we needed from them. And we couldn't even get that stuff together. So the, I don't know. Now they're working together with this group. I don't know why we would think that, that the outcome's going to be different. As they said, leopards don't change their spots. And now we had, we finally had something in, in the, with the all black game, where it was going to be people in the stands, et cetera, et cetera. And now we have a, now all of a sudden there's a professional arm of USA rugby. I guess it means, you know, socialize the costs to all the volunteer suckers out there who put in their time, effort and energy in developing and working with the game and privatize the profits to like people haven't done a goddamn thing. There are people on this board who haven't put a goddamn minute of time into rugby. And I don't want to hear about playing for Harvard Business School or, you know, playing 30 no. years ago. You haven't done anything. And so... And well, the, well the, 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 the question, I mean, I, I, I don't think they're going to suddenly turn around and destroy, attempt to undercut the pro rugby because they're pro, they're... they're they're supportive of it, but the question is, can they do something to make it successful? That's something we haven't we haven't well, seen. You know the the so USA the US hold on hold on the the USA sevens yeah, right. was not a successful and, and this was pre Melville, but it was not a successful tournament until it became privatized until Prosmet came in and took it over and invested a huge amount of money in it money that USA rugby didn't have to invest in it. Uh, now USA sevens is. Uh, you know, pretty successful, and and it's got big crowds, and um, it, it may be a situation where USA Rugby kind of wishes they were running it now. But um, the can USA Rugby run something like an elite level competition and get people to uh, come to games and generate excitement? Jury's out. Maybe it shouldn't be even be out, but. Um, that's that's something they haven't. I don't even know if they're equipped they, to do it. They the players don't even I mean, have the players. They, 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 well, players just speak to the track record. I mean, the biggest commercial success outside of USA Seven in the last couple of years, you'd say, was the All Black game, and that, you'd argue that might be bigger. But what their cut was from that, we don't even know, and they weren't even the ones really behind it. So much as a legacy agency, they try to do it on their own. They realize, holy crap, we can't do this on our own. They brought the legacy agency, legacy agency in again at the last second to try and save the thing with the Australia game, and we all saw the result of that. A third of the people were in the stands. So we see what happens with Atlanta Sevens. There's, there's zero reason to believe that any of and this is maybe one of the most mind-blowing things that we've talked about, this great deal that they trumpeted about ING. We're now over a year into that deal, and have, have any of the national championships looked one iota better with IMG in the fold? No. I, w- I, I, would, I, would, I would, I would, to be technical, if you want to talk for just an iota, the, the College Sevens is better than it was. Um, but a small amount. And oh, you're, you're, a year and a half it's, off. It's better than the yeah, third yeah, in a row. Yeah, it's, it's, be, it's better than it was. And and um, you know it'll probably be better than it was again this year. But this is these are small steps. You're right. You're right about Atlanta. 
Um, people don't, you know, the crowds are not there. Uh, you write about us, but, uh, you know, these, the, the organizations have to, you know, people have to work harder. And I think that one thing people don't appreciate is how hard the people at United World Sports work to put on basically two events a year. I mean, yeah, there's the varsity cup final, but whatever. Um, basically we're talking about two events a year and these people are working nonstop for those things. It's a huge amount of work. I don't think people understand that. And, you know, there are, there are a few other people who are involved in events around who, who understand that it is a massive undertaking to generate that kind of loyalty and that kind of interest to get lots of fans to games. I totally agree with you. Nobody understands what, what this takes. You just look at the difference between the All Blacks and the Australians. And it was the All Blacks, like, they embraced being in America and worked their butt off to try to get fans and, 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 did, and did things from a promotional standpoint to get people to go. The Australians just wanted a payday. And nobody went. Nobody cared. You really think that that, that that result was on the Australian rugby union it's, versus it, the Well, no, it's, it was on a lot of people. In, right. you know, it, it was on a, a large number of people, and I don't think anyone I – think, I, I think some, a bunch of people thought it was, um, it was easy, right? It was automatic, and uh, that was a mistake. And that's, but I, I think that the, uh, you know, Australia has, is partly – it's on their it's on their plate partly on that. We've got this infrastructure right, which we don't have. I mean, we we've got this lack of infrastructure, lack of uh, you know. We've got a new pro league, which you know everyone should be rightfully skeptical of. We've got a. Uh, I'm almost you know, like offended by, and not your specific statement that we've got a pro league, <laughs> but yeah, people aren't qualifying it. There is. To this date, there is no pro league. There's not a single player contracted, and they're supposed right. to be playing in four months. There, it, there is still no pro league in existence. I hope it works as much as the next guy. I, I really do. But people are acting as though it's a it's a granted thing, and and John Mitchell's acting like that. But I'm sure he's just telling what his new boss is telling him. He's just regurgitating that. But people all over social media, people all over you know, different blogs, different sites. They just, it seems to be either, to me, reckless carelessness or reckless ignorance. I mean, have we just forgotten I, I, all I think, the things that I, happened I think, over the years? Well, I think they believe, I think partly that they've actually seen something happen, like one combine, but actually a properly nicely organized combine. Um, I think that they've seen uh, real organizations like uh, uh, in Sacramento come out and have press conferences saying, yeah, we're doing this. So I guess, uh, you know, each time that happens... I remember press releases from okay. um, Home Depot Center. I remember press releases from NFL Network. Yeah, okay. okay. No, I no, I, 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 pre- like press, press releases, anybody can write a press release, but actually have a press well, conference. Well, I remember a combine in Minnesota happening. Right, okay, well, yeah, but were we allowed to go to it? I mean, it's just it, there's a slight difference, and I'm not saying that it's. Uh, I, I, I can I can I get back to that one thing? Another thing again, 
regardless of whether you think it's going to work or not, or you're supportive of it or you're not. Yeah. The Leicester Tigers game was railroaded 100% by USA Rugby using the technicality. She just let it happen. Who cares? Let it, let it happen. If it was going to fail, let it fail. I don't know about that. I mean, we, could, we could spend time on that, but, you know, they, uh, they could also make a pretty coherent argument that the organizers of that set it up for failure for one specific reason. Um, they, it was never meant to succeed. But it was, it, whether or not it was meant to succeed or not, the, at the end of the day, USA Rugby said, no, we're not going to allow you. We're not, we're not sanctioning this. Why not? Didn't pay your taxes? Well, to be you fair, I know for a fact... To the, to the, you didn't pay your tribute to the mole with the cape? Yeah, kind of. I'll, I'll tell you that. I know for a fact that the pro rugby players, when they're uh, doing their applications, have to provide a SIP number. So they're forcing the pro rugby players. I'm giving them an exemption. They didn't also grant the NRFL. That whole fallout was about your, the, all the NRFL players have to be members of USA Rugby SIP members. Well, they're doing the same thing with pro rugby. So it's not like they are pulling a rug out from... In RFL, but they're now, you know, not pulling out from under the the pro rugby. Pro rugby just said, okay, sip, sip. All right, you're right. That's not that big of a deal. We're not going to let our whole business crumble because you want us to sip on players. But the players have nothing. They're expected to do everything, yet they have nothing. And we're looking at this is now. We're we're into Melville for three mil. Close. Not quite yet, but it's getting there. And now he's putting us into someone else for a mill. Now, I'm fine with it, provided someone other than us is paying for it. But that's what they should be running, professional rugby and international rugby. They haven't done it well. And under-20s rugby is, I feel bad for those guys. They have, you know, that's a labor of love. And Scott Lawrence has had to quit several times out of being bamboozled. But you just hear about the the way the money is being dealt with. And had it not been for USA Sevens giving two hundred fifty grand a year to these guys, they keep on saying that's a bad deal. A bad for years they lost tons of money and paid. On top of it, paid. It was a great deal. USA Rugby got the best of that deal by a long shot. They made a lot more money than USA than John Prusnak. I'll tell you that. If he's even making anything, as you said, it takes, it's a year long proposition for all of these guys to be working very hard to put this event together. And it's not one or two people. It's a lot of people. You guys work there, you know, and, and that's a lot of salaries and a lot of, a lot of plane fares and a lot of handholding and a lot of stuff that goes into these things. And, and this is, it's almost taken as if, well, that's, that's the peon's job. Hey man, you keep giving it to the peon, you're gonna have some troubles. I mean, that big time troubles. And I'm just saying it. Yeah, you've 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 got to be willing to to do that kind of hard work to make these things work, and you've got to be willing to uh, work hard to get that sponsorship support and that fan support, and then cherish it and treat it well and come back. Which I don't know if everybody understands that. Um, with the the idea. The idea that a, the pro league, the pro league is more promising now, Pat, than it was 
with the old rugby law guys because, as you know, you said, did we not see things from them? Yes, but we saw a bunch of stuff that we didn't quite believe and there was air behind it that some people seem to be – more people seem to be believing the current situation. Maybe it's because they have a logo. I don't know. Um, and maybe it's because they have a website. Uh, and better press releases. Who knows what it is? But but it comes down to the fact that John Mitchell, who is a $250,000 a year coach for the next four years, believes it, or at least is saying he believes that pro rugby and the high-performance infrastructure is going to help him put a winning product on the field, which is – which is great, right? We would love to have a winning product on the field. What happens if that's not correct? What happens if that's not true? 2008, Scott Johnson was under the impression he was going to have several million dollars to work with for a team, and then he didn't. Um, And he got upset about that. Uh, Scott Johnson also was an emotional, um, polarizing figure, Bruce, you don't agree with me with that, but um, he was he was kind of guy that some people loved to hang out with or get quotes from or talk to, and some people didn't. Um, that's that's fine if you win if you're successful, um, but I'm let's look at this relationship: John Mitchell, Nigel Melville, USA Rugby, Bob Latham, Alex Magleby, all of those pieces. In two years, the Eagles win the America's Rugby Championship in uh, in March of 2017 or something, and sweep Canada to to qualify for the World Cup. You know, we'll be pretty happy if in two years they do what has been happening for the last 20 years, right? Which is lose to Canada at a crucial moment and play in some kind of winnable tournament that they end up going three and two or two and three or whatever but they don't win it well they don't even come really close to winning it um we'll be we'll have the same results and we'll everybody sour on everybody else will we sour on john mitchell well i think the bigger question i mean like what what you said all right so that's the the best of the first example you gave of what may come yeah was kind of the this is the what we hope will happen. That was the optimistic outview. I don't even think that the second one you gave was the most negative possible outcome. No, it's not. No. John Mitchell, not not just was polarizing or this that I mean he he's done things in reading in his book that would would get USA rugby sued, would get him sued. Uh would would end in it a complete dumpster fire, not just in us being unhappy <laughs> with him or us being in the same results. It would end in lawsuits. <laughs> so uh, he's he's not just polarizing. He's 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 admitted to some doing some things, um, like you know locking all his players in a in, a, in the locker room with a, a keg of beer and not letting everybody leave until the keg of beer is completely gone. Um, he's done some things that that uh, you know if the right person goes about it the right way, could be very bad for the union. Could be very bad for. Uh, the game in this country. And I'm not saying that I expect that to happen, um, but I'm just saying that we should be wary of the possibility of that happening. So so if, if Proposition A happens that you put forward, I think we'd all be thrilled. 
if proposition proposition B happens and we look forward, we just say, why are we spending this money? Mm-hmm. And if something worse than that happens, uh, I don't know how. If he does does something that fosters a player revolt, which never happens, um, almost never happens because they don't want to get kicked off the team, they want to play. But if if he does something to foster some major, let's be generous and call it a PR problem, uh, yeah, that's that's worse. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely worse. I mean, you know, I mean, the Western Force—he was locked out of the players locked him out of the locker room. Um. He said some some things that are not just you know stats with Todd Clever about whether or not he should have gone to the ESP and the body uh, uh, you know celebration. We're talking big, bigger things, and um, uh, I, I don't know how how well those would fly here necessarily. And then granted, the guy's been coaching for twenty years, and things that you could do in nineteen ninety five that you can't do now. I mean, we could all sit here and talk about those things from all sorts of aspects of life. So I'm not saying that he's going to do those things here or repeat those same mistakes or anything like that. I'm just saying that, um, you know, Bruce's whole leopard spots thing, I think that you have to be, you have to be wary of that. And, and that, that to me, not just that, right. But, but, uh, the possibility of the worst case scenario happening, but also why tie yourself to that kind of price tag for that long a period of time? I mean, with the Western Force, he had an issue to where they wanted to get rid of him, but they couldn't really afford to buy him out. USA Rugby, if we can if we can scrape up the pennies to pay him two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, we sure as hell can't scrape up the pennies to buy him out after a year or two if there's an issue. So if you, you just sign him on for four years, and you hope everything works out, uh, well, you kind of need it to work out because every dollar you got is in that basket, and you can't afford to take it out of that basket. So to me, that's a bigger issue, and, and and that goes back to a problem of them believing these World Cup cycles are is a problem too. But that's why I think it's such a risky move. It's not just feast or famine. Um, it's I think it may be even a little bit more drastic than that. I, I wouldn't even know what to call it, but this thing could go down in flames. Uh, and I think the higher percentage of that happening than it really soaring and being successful. Also, if you, if you were to look at what you were just saying, and you say your best case scenario, sweeping Canada, we beat Canada three times in a row for the first time. Beat Japan. Um, so we're in the, like that. That was set to happen. So that should mm-hmm. be considered. And we have the All Blacks coach. We should be looking at quarterfinals. That's what you. Like, that's okay. what you're thinking. And we're Mitchell and Eddie Jones were adversaries at the same time. I mean, Eddie Jones was the coach of Australia at the same time that the John Mitchell was the head coach at New Zealand. And you say, okay, Japan, this is what they did. They went and got Eddie Jones out. They got the home run coach, who's had a little bit of controversy in his past, too. And it worked out for Japan. You know what Japan has that we don't? A professional league that isn't hypothetical, that's rock solid. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also, well, it's, it's, and look, you got to remember, the guy's running the professional league, a decent guy. And, you know, and, and Madeline and Melville have done their best to give them the information to help them to get the right players. And so, you know, I'm not saying that they, they haven't done things to, you know, everybody's in this together. They want it to work and we want it to work. Everybody does. So they're all, if these aren't bad people, they're good people. Um, right. And, you know, like Steve Lewis is a servant of American rugby. For 
over at least over a decade and probably longer. I don't know how long he's been in America, but I've known him for over a decade as a guy who is a servant of rugby and who's really worked hard to try to do things. Don DeFalco, I, I coached him at Xavier, so I know him pretty well too. And so they have good people around and ideally this works. It's just from the financial part of it, it's just, it's very difficult for it to work. Then, and what Eddie Jones did just so it, Eddie Jones spent his four year budget in two years, forced him to give him more money. He also went down to New Zealand, picked up players, five of them. I said, you're not good enough to be in the all blacks. But if you come to Japan and play professionally, in three years you could play for Japan. So he gets himself a bunch of good players. And they were able to do that. Now, maybe that's what they're thinking, is that we have this pro league, we can attract a few guys who are good, really good, and possibly they'll come over, knock a three-year stint, and play rugby for America. And if that's the plan, not a bad plan if you want to win. It's, it really isn't. It's, a, it's actually a great plan to win. I don't know that a young American kid is going to have aspirations to have his mother have him born in New Zealand and play there for a while so that he can come up here and play for America. Or, you know, are we gonna, what are we going to do to develop Americans? What are we going to do to... Is well, the you know, the, the, well, the, 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 the other the other thing is that the, uh, you know, Eddie Jones looks at the athlete pool in Japan and there are some great athletes in Japan, but there are certain deficiencies, whereas uh, everybody keeps doing it and looking at the athlete pool in the United States and saying that there are players there, there are athletes there who could t- be turned into, you know, world champion rugby players. And uh, whether they're right or not, that's the thought. That's the that's the additional thought. That's the one thing that uh, United States has Japan doesn't. Hey, I mean, look, they, everybody thinks that they can get the next Dan Lyle, and Dan Lyle was a fantastic player. He was a, a fantastic athlete, but he also fell in love with playing rugby, and he didn't quit easily. So, and, that's and a huge he came part. in. Yeah. He came in at a time when professionalism was in its infancy, so his level of professionalism from college football, be it wasn't at the greatest school in the world, was far and away above what the most of the guys in England were doing at the time, which was, you know, maybe smoke one pack of cigarettes a day instead of two. And so that, you know, and that's... uh, But as I said, like you said, we got... There are, this is an opportunity to be great, but it also can blow up because a lot of things that have to happen, and it has to happen with people who, they haven't necessarily treated everybody well. You know, like, they haven't treated the Varsity Cup guys well. They haven't treated the CRC guys well. I've treated a lot of people well, they, well, and then they're going to be kind of going. Back. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not talking about some money. Just talking about like 
all the people playing it, fans and things like that, and all the people who go. It's like, not everybody's been treated well along the way. And so they're like, you know what, man? I'm not paying to go to see that crap. I'm not going. I'm not going to support, I'm not going to be against it, but I'm not going to go and work hard to support it either. Well, they ain't going this year. You know. What? I said they're not going to go support it this year. I don't know where it is, what it is, how much it costs, or if it's happening. (laughs) Hey, hopefully they have, I mean, I don't know that there's anybody who has the kind of money that would be willing to lose that kind of money. Like, it's one thing to to invest seven, ten million, five million dollars, whatever it is, and lose a few hundred grand. Maybe even lose a million. And you might be willing to do that once. You might be willing to do it twice. And the third time is it's probably not gonna happen. It's probably the maximum. But if you're losing if you're investing five, seven, ten million and losing four point eight of it then that second year is not happening. Yeah. It's, just, it's not going to happen. That's done. The, the, the middle of the year is not happening. And that's the thing yeah. that I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with summer, having people play rugby during summer and expecting that you'll have season ticket holders in the, in the, in the four digits that are paying enough money where you'll profit you know, somewhere between fifteen and twenty five dollars a ticket. Profit, that's after that's not the cost of the ticket, that's the profit. After the players and everything else. So I'm sorry, after the venue and everything else. So and and in a TV deal, very difficult to make money on TV. I think. It's just my my thought on that. Yeah, it's well, not I, it, 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 but TV was it's not as lucrative as they as they may sound. I mean, the NFL lost a lot of money, so. But I don't know. That's uh. All right. So, so this 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 is the big thing. It, 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 in the end, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm reminded of the. Uh, I'm reminded of the definition of a blunder. It came from the baseball writer Bill James, and he was discussing something. Uh, he's actually talking about the Kansas City Royals, and he said that uh, uh, the definition of a blunder is that it is a decision that comes at a critical moment that goes against the conventional wisdom, and the third part of it is it doesn't work. So there are plenty of people we point to and say, genius move, because um, – it was an unconventional decision, a risky decision, um, as the the coach of the Arizona Cardinals calls it. What? No risk it, no biscuit. It's a risky decision, um, but they work, and suddenly we say somebody's a genius. Uh, I, th- I think it's a risky move to put all your eggs into this pro rugby basket, but we haven't had it. So if they make it work, if somebody actually pushes to make it get on the field and at least attempt it, maybe something happens out of that. Um, I'm skeptical, but let's make it work. And it's a risky move. To, it's a risky move to hire John Mitchell because he seems like a risky guy. He seems like a guy who tries weird things and you know 
is not necessarily conventional or popular or liked. I'm putting air quotes behind that. Liked. But if it works, it works great. I mean, I guess the thing, and if it, it doesn't work, Bruce, you feel like it might be a disaster. I kind of feel like if it doesn't work, it's the same as all the other people we've had. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's the same as Peter Thorburn or Duncan Hall, and it's kind of like meh. Um, it's meh with a big price tag, but we had that as well. I don't think it's, I don't, I don't see it as a disaster. I just, we've had meh with a big price tag before. This isn't, this isn't the first guy who's made a quarter million bucks or in and around that area. So that's, you know, to say that is crazy. It's just a going, it's a going rate. It's just is this the best guy we could have gotten for that money? I don't know. That that I don't know. It's going. It's, the, it's the going rate. It's the going rate for a non-American. Well, it's the going rate for a former <laughs> robot coach who went to yeah. the semifinal. Yeah. You know, but and you know, by, by the know who, by the way, who, who applied? Um, and and maybe we need to wrap this up. But uh, John Mitchell coaching uh, uh, now. Uh, apparently, he applied for England as well this year. Is that is that correct? Do people back that up? That he he, yeah, applied, he applied for the England job, right? Okay. Anyway, uh, two thousand one to two thousand three, John Mitchell's New Zealand team was uh, twenty three, four and one. They lost four games, and those games that they the the those games that they lost were against uh, Australia, England at Twickenham. England and Australia, and uh, um, three of those games were lost by either three or two points. Um, so he only once did his team lose by more than the margin of a penalty goal, and that was the semi-final against Australia in Sydney. Um, the game that you know helped helped push him out the door, along with some other things. So uh, that's a pretty good record. Uh, I know it's the All Blacks, but it's still a pretty good record. Um, and um, if if he can produce something along those lines, winning those tough games and maybe maybe blowing some people out, like he did South Africa in two thousand three, fifty two to sixteen, you know, we'll be pretty happy with that. Hey, like we said, it's dynamite. Dynamite <laughs> can do a lot of good stuff. Dynamite can leave a wake of destruction. You know, it's, it's, again, playing with fire. Fire is great until it gets out of hand. And so you don't know, and hopefully it all works. All My right. concern is that a lot of things have to work together at the same time that are not incredibly likely to happen. It was the same as when the Eagles went to the World Cup. In order to go to the quarterfinals, they needed a lot of things to happen that weren't incredibly, incredibly likely to happen. And they didn't. And they didn't go to the quarterfinal and they had a, you know, some disappointing results. And that's just, you got to wish, you know, you got to wish them the best and you got to wish that, you know, I think Melville handled it poorly, but, you know, this is, that's the guy that we have chosen to lead us again through our, you know, through another cycle of the World Cup. And, um, you know, 
Melville and Mags and, and they're putting the pro league together and they got all their stuff and everybody's working and they got the all black coach. Hey, you, you, an outsider, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't follow rugby as much as me or whatever would say it's a massive coup. I don't know when we all collectively chose for Melville to run us through another World Cup cycle, but I must have been hammered drunk. <laughs> All right, well, it's, uh, it, it, it is dynamite. Don't shake the dynamite. Be careful with it. Uh, don't play around with it. Um, Not a shake weight, Bruce. No. no. And uh, make sure, make sure uh, Pat, that you pay attention when you vote for these things uh, in the future. Uh, we're happy to have everybody back for 2016. Remember, it's an Olympic year, so that'll be uh, something to watch out for. It might be interesting. Um, and uh, we're very happy uh, to be back with Rugger Matrix America. And I think Bruce and Pat join me in thanking Mike Tolkien for all the stuff he's done for the game, for the championships he's won. Um, he's been a terrific coach uh, uh, molding young athletes, and uh, including on the national team. Um, and uh, we'll miss him. Uh, he was a good interviewer, smart guy, and hopefully we'll see him again. And hopefully we'll see you again here on Raga Matrix America. <laughs> <laughs>